Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. Another exciting day because I don't have to cover significant amounts of news. I love not having to cover news because, unfortunately, in the crypto space, the news tends to be less than positive. So I get excited when there's not news to have to cover so I can avoid a lot of the toxicity that spans the crypto universe. However, there's hope. I'm seeing some positive commiserings around crypto and I'm going to cover those real brief and then I got a couple of new tools I'm going to talk about in addition to of course uh, my usual underdog token that I will cover first in the news um, if you haven't seen what's happening with SHIB if you're a SHIB holder or are watching SHIB SHIB is making some inroads of course there was the new egg announcement and they have the big billboard and they're gearing up to start accepting SHIB now I want to make sure you understand the significance of this is more, I think it. I think it's really more advantage the SHIB side than the Newegg side in the way that it's being presented because I think there's going to be more, obviously that's only the SHIB holders and they're still a fraction of the total population. So it's not like it's going to make a significant dent in the Newegg bottom line because ultimately if you were shopping Newegg before, this just gives you a different way to do it. So it's not like it's going to increase their their shopper pool, but what it does for the ship folks, of course, is more exposure, uh, more awareness of the product, because now all the other people who are new egg shoppers get to learn about SHIB as a different alternative, and maybe it's the first inroad to the crypto, and I guarantee you there's a lot more people who know what new egg is than who know what SHIB is. So to me, that's advantage on the SHIB side. I think that's something to keep an eye on, honestly. If there's going to be significant movement out of it as a result of price it would be because of burns which burns are happening through different areas not new egg but new egg might choose to burn some we don't know my gut tells me that they're wanting to hold it for themselves right and so they're just basically turning themselves into kind of a small exchange you know as you transact business with them you can buy and sell um or in this case sell your ship to them in exchange for products and services and then of course they may they will have to purchase some ship to have on docket. So I think it's just more of a side investment for the new egg team. However, the the benefits for our, the ship side are huge because it gets more eyes of the product. In Bitcoin news, which I have not talked about Bitcoin mostly because it's already pre-established, but now there's starting to be a heating up of the war. I say war in double air quotes, but war between Bitcoin and Ethereum. If you haven't noticed the two have mostly run parallel with respect to the ups and the downs, you know, buys and sells, green candles, red candles. But Ethereum is now starting to hit breakout points. Its price is starting to really shoot up. And a lot of this is driven through NFT activity because NFT minting predominantly happens on the Ethereum blockchain where Bitcoin doesn't have such a blockchain. This doesn't mean that Ethereum is going to beat Bitcoin in price. In fact, I would argue Ethereum's hard upper limit I don't see it going very much past $10,000 per until and unless they can fix the gas price issue. The gas price issue is the only thing holding it back at this point. When you get rid of the gas price issue, there's no reason not to do Ethereum. And arguably, the only reason that many of the level twos even exist is because of a resistance around the gas fees. So if you get rid of the gas fees and you can streamline the operations and speed up transactions, I see 10,000 as the cap for Ethereum until and unless it can solve that problem. Now, many have speculated that Ethereum is not long for this world. I don't share that speculation because it's too embedded in most everything 
that's out there. Many of the tokens that you've heard of that are not Bitcoin are likely on the Ethereum chain. Even Binance, which has a lot of tokens, isn't anywhere close in terms of the the volume, the number of people that are transacting. You also have to consider, and I know there's certain people like on Reddit that don't understand this, but you have to understand that for the United States people, you're talking close to 400 million American people. Of those, you probably got about 300-ish American, million Americans. You have to understand it is not simple to transact the Binance Smart Chain for Americans. Is it possible? Yes. But it's not easy. It's more steps than the common person will do. I talked about this on a previous episode that with Coinbase, which is the current de facto standard in the United States, it's not Binance.us. Binance.us is the ghetto bit player compared to Coinbase. Coinbase is really the standard. I would put Crypto.com as a close second. Crypto.com, I believe, allows you to trade BNB, but Crypto.com and Binance.us verification processes are a joke. And then Crypto.com, of course, is mobile only, so that's not friendly to serious traders. Coinbase and Coinbase Pro are really the only ones doing it correctly, but then, of course, they don't support any Binance tokens at all. So since you can't get BNB, you're not able to do the transactions on the Binance Smart Chain that you need to. The reason I'm breaking this down that way is because it spins over into my next topic, which I'll talk about in a second. But the point is that right now, Ethereum is the de facto standard if you want U.S. dollars in play, and you certainly want U.S. money in play because that's where a lot of it is. A lot of it's in India. A lot of it's in China. You want these big players involved in the crypto industry and having their money circulating throughout. If you exclude the United States, which you could, but if you like one inch, but if you choose to do that, you're leaving a lot of money on the table pretty much literally at this point, and there's no sense to do that instead of recognizing that the BNB and the Binance Smart Chain are not the standard and they're hard to buy into, and Ethereum today is the de facto standard. I would love to see Coinbase embrace Binance and the Binance Smart Chain, but because of the United States government cracking down on the Binance company who runs that whole deal, I don't see it happening in the short term, but I would love to see it happen. I would love to see more accessibility to the Binance Smart Chain so that many of those tokens can get more exposure because the gas prices, it's not even close. Same with the Polygon Network, which is trying to increase its footprint, and then the Tron Network, which is trying to increase its footprint. These are almost gasless alternatives, but because it, they're not on like your Coinbase's of the world, they're not able to get the volumes that you would expect. And so I had this argument with one of the tokens I talked about the other day. There's this unrealistic theory that decent decentralization is the only way to go and we should not do the centralized exchanges we should just stay on our wallets and do that and that's cool or that we can spin up a new exchange i covered on a previous episode that yes you could there are templates to do this and yes you could put liquidity and yes you could kind of rethink it all i'm saying is that you're not going to be able to crack the establishment that is with exchanges and the way that they work because a lot of them work according to the way the united states government laws work because those people want U.S. dollars in the mix. With the U.S. rule system, as stupid as they are, the fact is when you need to comply with them, you're not going to be able to do what you thought you could do. So your only choice is to block out the U.S. and then you'll never succeed. That's just the truth of it. So all of what I'm describing is to tell you simply that this war, quote unquote, between Ethereum and Bitcoin will continue for the foreseeable future. ETH 2.0 is supposed to solve a lot of the gas problems, but People have started speculating that it may not. 
there's a lot of uncertainty with ETH2O. There could be problems with ETH2O. And then even if you do roll that out, the belief is that any existing token might still be stuck in the same frame and might not be able to benefit from the ETH2O rollout. If that's true, you still have the same situation that we had when we started this thing. All of these are speculation. I don't have any additional facts because there hasn't been significant facts released from the team working it. But I'm saying that I see a hard cap of 10,000 on the Ethereum side unless they can solve the gas problem. If they can solve the gas problem, I see no reason why Ethereum cannot get to, if not exceed, what Bitcoin's doing. And if it's able to do that, every other coin on the Ethereum network is going to be elevated regardless because at that point, you'll be able to get in and out faster and easier. The exchanges help to some degree, but even they mitigate their risk by not going all in to try to manage costs. All of which to spin into my next topic, which is a new tool. It's not new to me, but it's new to you because you may not have heard of it. But it's not new in the broad spectrum. It's been around for a little bit, but it's now developed to the point that it's worth talking about. That is called Rubik. R-U-B-I-C, it's an exchange. The key of Rubik is that it tries to solve what I have said has been a problem for many, many uh, years of cryptocurrency. What they want to try to do is allow you to inter-swap tokens between different blockchains. And there's a lot of tokens in this swap, and there's a lot of opportunity to do it. Now, you still have to have your core whatever token that's necessary to do it. So if you start from the Ethereum network, for example, then you have to have Ethereum in your wallet in order to be able to do the exchange. However, once you're out of it, then you're once and done. They also apply some fees in order to support the service. So it may be more expensive than doing the alternative. Consider that the goal of this is to save you time. It's to allow you to swap, let's say, your Ethereum-based token over into the Binance network or vice versa. So maybe you have an Ethereum token like a SHIB and you want to swap it over into a Binance token such as Floki. You can do that all in this one interface so that you don't have to deal with what the alternative would be, which would be from your SHIB. I believe Floki got on SHIB a swap, but if it didn't, you would have to go from SHIB, you'd have to cash it out from Uniswap or from an exchange to USD Tether. Then you'd have to, if it's through the exchange, take the Tether, purchase Floki, and then send it to your wallet. That's a lot of steps. If you didn't have the exchange, then it's sell ship through Uniswap, get nailed on gas fees for the sale, and then buy into the Floki through the buy, you know, through a different token. Then you'd have to convert your token from the Ethereum equivalent to the Binance equivalent to get recouped. It's a, it's way more steps than the alternative. Rubik basically says, well, choose your Binance token, which is Floki, and that's what I want to buy, and choose your SHIB, which is your Ethereum token, that's what I want to sell, and then it'll calculate what that'll cost, and it'll apply a fee and tell you, okay, you need this much Ethereum to do the transition, and it will do the transitions for you. It's doing the same steps, but it's doing it without with one interface, which is nice and appealing. If you're not one of those, like myself, who wants to deal with all the hoops necessary, jumping around to different interfaces just to do a simple swap over, this is something to consider. Now, many tokens are creating their own swap mechanics to where they're allowing jumping from Binance to Ethereum or vice versa, but it's for their own token. So like ID, for example, is working on something like this. Kishimoto, I believe, has theirs rolled out. In those tokens, it's only for the same token that's on the alternate network where you can do that swap and you still have to do the gas fees. This is allegedly 
any of the tokens that it supports to any of the tokens that it supports, as opposed to being limited to tokens within one project, which is nice if you're trying to get out of a certain network. Like I wish I had had this tool available at the time when I was trying to get my ID from the Ethereum side over into the Binance side. I had to do the alternative, which is sell out and then buy in, which was very clunky. So that's rubik.exchange. I do suggest you at least take a look at it and consider if it's worth adding to your toolbox in case you ever need to do this kind of a swap. And as Ethereum and Binance both start to gain more traction together and Binance starts to get a little bit more steam, this may be something you look at. Like maybe you want to swap an Ethereum token that's kind of on the outs or maybe you just don't believe in the project or you maybe just want to sell a portion of your stake and buy into Binance. You can use this to get the BNB tokens so that you can then go to the Binance Smart Chain, either via PancakeSwap or even through this or wherever, and then buy into those tokens from there. Again, that's rubik.exchange. The tool is app.rubik.exchange if you want to take a look at it. I do highly recommend it from what I've seen. It is solid. It's not perfect, but as far as the alternatives, I think it's far better than what's out there in terms of options and choices. And then the final tool that I'll talk about this is for your power user. So I'm not going to advocate this. If you're an entry-level user, you can probably skip this section unless you want to listen in. But I want to talk about a tool that's really for your power users. If you're a power user, you probably already know about it. And if you didn't know about it, then I'll tell you about it. Once you look at it, you'll understand. You'll see, okay, I get what's going on here, and this is what I might want. And that's called Hedgehog. Hedgehog.app. Hedgehog is a portfolio management platform. The key with this one different than other portfolio management platforms is that you can integrate with all your various exchanges where you have accounts. Remember I mentioned on previous episode that you want to have different exchanges available because different tokens are available on different platforms, but it gets harder now to manage your total portfolio, right? Because you got money over here, you got money over here. And so it's easier when you can see it all in one interface to just at least know the performance of your different holds and bags that exist in different exchanges all over the place. It also supports certain wallets, not all wallets. Um, I'd like to see more wallets out of them, but it supports certain wallets like Paper Wallet. It supports Ledger Nano. Uh, you can do Uniswap tracking. You can do, um, there's one software wallet that they support. That's called Exodus. I don't use Exodus. It does not support any of the wallets that I support as far as I can tell. Now, I was scrubbing the list before, and I didn't see that it did. Um, so, for example, oh, yeah, there it is. So their interface is kind of deal, challenging to deal with because they've got the exchanges, and then they've got the wallets, and then when you go in to add one or the other, the interface may or may not show you what you expect to see, so you assume it's not there when it actually is there, but it's in a different area of the, of the interface. So... You can track Uniswap, the DEX. You can track Trust Wallet, which that's good if you're a Trust Wallet user. Most people are Trust Wallet users. Um, it supports Coinbase, Coinbase Pro, and Coinbase Wallet. So if you're currently in the chaos as I was, where you've got all three of them in play because each one supports something different, you can combine all of them, link all of them into this, and then monitor and manage it. It takes it a step further, though, because it allows you to actually perform transactions, exchanges, if you want to, directly from the one interface. So you don't have to go, let's say you got some Tron over in Gate.io and you want to sell it for Tether, but then you also have something going on in Hotbit 
or BitMart and you want to transact it over there. Right now, you have to log in each one. You'd have to do the, you know, the two-factor and do all this. From this one interface, you can do all the transactions that you want to do with the different exchanges based on the actions and activities that you see going on there. So that's awesome. I recommend taking a look at it because it's, it's an underrated tool for what it does. Just be aware the interface tends to be a little bit kludgy, just a little bit, in understanding what works, what's supported, and what's not. It supports a lot. So if it looks like it only supports just a little bit, chances are it's something with the interface. And I would employ you to look around, like click around and see if you're just reading it wrong. Because it may look like it just doesn't support this exchange. And then, hey, there's this bottom button and you click it. And then all of a sudden there's more exchanges and then there's the one you want. Or with the wallets, you have to click to a different area to see the wallets with the exchanges where... When you initially go in, it only shows you the exchanges, like weird things like that. That tends to happen in the interface that it's just not intuitive in how they display options to you. But it supports a lot more than what it might seem. We're talking things like Robinhood. We're talking things like um, PancakeSwap. We're talking things like Atomic Wallet, which very few people use. Uh, the Nexo app. So if you're on Nexo and you use its tools for... Uh, exchange or you use the lending products you can link in in there so you have a single point view of your totality of your of your volume and your portfolio across all these it even supports venmo i mean that's nuts so if you think about all of the different money that you got in different places this is a great tool to look at now i caveat that by saying and this isn't a major thing for me but i call it out it doesn't support anything that is a regular cash-based tool that does not have something to do with crypto at some level by which i mean i called out that yes it does support things like venmo venmo of course is a cash-based tool but you're not going to be able to link like your bank you're not going to be able to link like your your checking account or things like that into it it's really it's got to have some sort of connection to cryptocurrency and then it'll let you link it in there so take a look through it and if you did already know about it you know, I'd be curious to know how you've used it and how it's worked out for you. This is a free tool, so I'm assuming that if you did know about it, you were already aware of it. Maybe you weren't aware of something that I did talk about, but I'd be curious to know how it's worked out for you and if you were able to use it to achieve what you wanted to achieve. Now, the one thing it calls out is that you're able to make cross-exchange trades. I have not seen this, but I suspect it's because when you set it up, it may want you to give the right to withdraw and deposit through the APIs that you're required to do to configure it, which I don't recommend doing. So if that's the case, then that's one feature that I think is important that you may lose is the cross exchange trading. So for example, if I sold Tron to USD Tether on gate, then I want to use that same USD Tether from gate to make a purchase on BitMart. Yes, it would be cool to do that, but I'm not willing to open up that withdraw function from gate.io and the deposit function from or to bitmart because there's a risk there right you could get hacked there could be bad actors inside you just don't know it's not saying i don't trust them i'm saying that i don't trust that level of transaction i'd rather just do it manually to make sure that it's properly secured and i'm going through my two-factor authentication process that the exchange forces upon me in order to make sure my assets are protected now i'll call out the one thing that i don't like and it's not their fault and maybe it's coming they have a lot of swaps like they have the pancake swap they got uniswap 
um, even Square Cash App, which surprised me, and then Swipe Swap, which I'd never even heard of, and many others. But they don't have ones like, say, Sushi Swap um, that I can see anyway. Uh, they don't have Shiba Swap. So these are kind of these lesser known, but yet still popular. I know that's weird, but they're popular within the people that know about them. Swaps that if they could add those in there, it will allow you to monitor your stake tokens if you're using those in addition to your rewards, hopefully, which is one that's a gap I have today is in order for me to understand my rewards in given places, I have to go purposely to those swap applications in order to see not only what's staked, but then what's what's the value of everything. And then it's just extra steps for extra steps because I'm not going to move it. I just want to monitor it, keep an eye on it. So it'd be nice if they would add, I would say Shiba Swap in particular, yes. Sushi Swap might be nice. And basically all the other swaps because in order to monitor those, there's nothing to it. There's a simple API that allows you to do it. I think the reason that they haven't done it yet is because most of those swaps that I'm talking about use the generic like Wallet Connect or Coinbase or Trust or other generic integrations and they don't offer API access because you do need to have API access capabilities in order to support this but they support Atomic Wallet so it's like if you support Atomic Wallet which really has nothing to it how is it that you don't support something like a Shiba Swap so maybe it's something on on the deck and it'll come at some point later and I'll keep an eye on it. But that's the only thing I call out that would be a negative. It's not something that deal breaks. It's not something I'd swear off of it for, but it would be nice if they would get those, all the swaps available because I do have a lot of things staked in different places. And it'd be nice to have just a single point view of all my different wallet staking uh, activities that's out there just so I can have a high level view. Cause that, that is a pain point right now. Uh, it also does not, um, it, well, it does support MetaMask, but it doesn't support like the um, OpenSea. So if you have, sometimes you might have currency in OpenSea because you sold, let's say an NFT, and you left it there. You didn't move it out because you might buy and sell in OpenSea. So it's its own wallet, and you can't track that here. They don't. It looks like it doesn't support that. I thought about doing it from like trust or meta, but it looks like that's not supported either. So that's again, another gap is that I may have currency stuck in one of the NFT applications could might not be just open just any NFT based application where there's currency there and I can't track it with the rest of my portfolio as it would be nice to do. Not a major thing, but would be nice if we could see an enhancement that would out add um, open and many of the other ones in there to be able to track those as well because and the reason i'm calling out uh, nft is because crypto.com is supported crypto.com has an nft place and the way that crypto.com tracks its deal i'm assuming i haven't added crypto.com because i'm i'm not mobile only i refuse but perhaps they have the tracking of the value in a wallet that is exposed through this integration if they did that means that it's possible that they could do OpenSea at some point in the future so that we could track values in the wallets of those exchanges in addition to the other wallets that we have and the exchanges, the real central exchanges, so you can get a true single point view of all the money you got floating out there. And again, my use case is unique, but I think more of the high-end people would agree that, yes, there's a need. We, just, we have currency that's all over the place just because we have to. 
ideally in a distributed portfolio. And it'd be nice to just have a single view of all of it, no matter where it is, no matter why. And it solves the problem that the finance side, the banking side has, which is since it's all APIs, it means we don't have to worry about like plaid or any of that kind of nonsense that's violating your privacy and your rights. So definitely check it out if you get an opportunity. Um, again, it's I would say it's for the intermediate to advanced trader, but even the low-level trader could use it even if you just wanted to have it as a single point view. I'm just saying that I think it works better if you're on a computer so that you can really consume the information best. I don't think it works really well on a phone. It works, but I don't, I don't think it's the optimal experience in my opinion. But I do think it's worth checking out. And then I can sense that my voice is about to give out on me. So let me quickly cover my underdog token for the day, and I will caveat that I'm a holder, but not by choice. And what I mean by that is that this particular company didn't mass airdrop, which I've said before is a bad idea. However, I think they did it for the right reason and had all the best intentions, and I don't think they're a scam. That's why I'm talking about them. But if I were, if they were listening to this, and I'll, I'll, I'll mention them on social media, but I think I understand why they did it, and they had the best of intentions, and I actually think it worked in their favor, but I would caution them against doing it without some sort of forewarn that they were going to do it and why, and the amount that they did kind of mitigated it. Um, and that's Zeta with an X. Um, the official name is Zeta Reality. And the Zeta token, like I said, they just it just showed up in the wallet. Um, I only got one coin, so I didn't think it was a scam per se, but I didn't know why it happened. But the reason that the, this was significant, I wanted to cover it, is because the way that they did this basically increased their holder count, number one, without really much effort, which I think is smart. Number two, it decreased, basically it increased the circulating supply, and by way of the way that the tokenomics works, it decreased, it necessarily decreased the number of zeros, like automatically off the bat, and it generated significant growth, at least as far as the graphs appeared. And then the fact that it was airdropped to the wallet, of course, is your clue to go and take a look at it. Uh, it's a Binance token, so you would purchase it through PancakeSwap if you were interested in it. But when I looked at the website and I saw that what they were doing, it seemed like, okay, you guys, you actually are a legitimate project. You just chose to do this to affect the price, and it seemed to work. It seemed to work very, very well. It actually got very dangerously close. I think it hit a, I think it hit a penny at one point. Um, but it's just it's had astronomical growth over the past month or so since I got it dropped over here. There's only a billion tokens in circulation. Um, it's got allocations for marketing, allocations for legal, allocations for financing. So it's got smart allocations of funding where there's no risk of it being left in the lurch as it was. Um, it's trying to be a blockchain, so at some point it's going to be more than what it is. Right now, it's just a it's just a token like any other. It's very similar to if you're using if you're on the Shiba ecosystem, very similar to the way Bone is built in how the tokenomics not the tokenomics but the token supply rather is created. Um, but they're talking about very interesting things. They're talking about three um, D virtualization. This supports whole the whole metaverse deal. Um, also, the augmented reality, if you know about augmented reality, think of augmented reality where you have your device, your phone, like Pokemon Go, right? You hold up your device, and then your camera shows you something is sitting there on the curb, some monster to capture. That's augmented reality. 3D scan takes that to the next level by saying that you could theoretically virtualize anything. 
through this concept of an augmented reality type situation, creating bridges, staking, um, decentralized applications, NFTs, digital real estate, which is a big thing in the so-called metaverse right now, uh, marketplaces, minting. There's a lot that they're working towards. And this got me very intrigued when I'm reading this and I, I get the token out of thin air and I use, and of course I'm curious and I read about it and I do research on it. And I'm very intrigued by the, the website's very done and I'm very intrigued by what it is that they're planning. And again, the only feedback I would give them if they're listening to this is I understand why they did the airdrop. I actually support based on the price movement that it seemed like it was a success. And I would honestly advocate other tokens consider something similar, but I do think that, that right now the whole airdrop phenomenon, especially on the Binance chain is challenging because you don't know if it's truly a scam or not. And so it'll be hard to differentiate yourself from the scams when you just do that blindly. Now, of course, you can't know names behind any of the wallet addresses. All they really do is go into the blockchain, pull a list of public addresses, and just send out the token. I think they'd send out to 500,000 people. So I, I get it. I get why you did it. I'm not criticizing why you did it. I am saying that there's got to be some way that you can collectively drum up interest in people and then collect addresses with known recipients and then send it to them that way. Uh, on the Discord channels, some NFT providers will collect up wallet addresses. So they'll go to Reddit and they'll go to Twitter and go to this place and say, come to Discord, give us your public address, and we'll just send you an NFT. Now, some of those are scams. However, some of them are actually legitimate. And if you look at the, the blue check and the other validation points, or if it's long established, they've been around for a year or so, you can get some confidence that these are legitimate projects such that you're comfortable giving the public. And again, your public address is no problem giving your public address for somebody to drop something. You just have to be careful what gets sent to you. That's the problem. So when they send this token out, you can't easily distinguish it from a scam versus non-scam. The second problem is that because I said in the previous episode, Trust Wallet and others don't by default show these tokens, you wouldn't even know to show it up. So that means that all the work that you just did to send the tokens out is for naught. The flip of that, of course, is that for people who are actively involved and interested in the token, they're going to see a super high holder count, right? Because you've sent it out to 500,000 people. Let's say that 490,000 of those people didn't know about the token. They're still holding it, right? And so that 10,000 people that did know now see a strong holder count. They buy more tokens. They spread the word, and it becomes an organic growth. And we see the kind of skyrocketing growth that we've seen in the price of this token. So I'm kind of mixed on this one. It's a brilliant marketing strategy, one that I think we can refine and make something out of this and get strong buy-in for tokens if we can make it work without that risk that it's perceived as a scam. And I think the only answer is to inform people in advance that we're doing it, collect the wallet addresses in good faith, Explain what you're doing, explain the project, just like you would do if you were doing an angel funding round. If anybody knows about angel funding on the opposite side, on the financial side, you do some kind of angel funding, you say, hey, this is what we're doing, here's our process, you know, leave your wallet at the door or whatever, and then we'll send you this send you this uh, token so you can have it in your collection, and then if you like what you see in the price movements, or you like what we're doing on the project, then you can buy in more. I thought it's brilliant, and I think they have a solid uh, tokenomics about them. I think they have a solid process about them. I will say that it does not appear to be a deflationary token. 
So the, there's a total circulation right now of 1 billion tokens, the total inventory of 10 billion tokens. They estimate that that'll be reached by 2027. So that means it's a long haul, but it doesn't have like burns that I can see and it doesn't have reflections that I can see. However, despite not having either of those, like I said, it skyrocketed, it dropped zeros like mad all the way up to a penny very recently. So if you were able to anticipate what they were doing and you thought it was solid and you were believed in what they have on the website, you could have been made rich right off the scratch. But because of the skepticism around airdrops, most people probably, it went under the radar until it was too late. And I do think it has strong growth potential because if they're talking about 9 billion more left to circulate, that means it's got strong price potential movement uh, yet to go in the future. And being on the Binance chain means it's cheap to buy in if you did want to buy in and you don't have a high cost to enter into price on this guy. So take a look at it. See if it makes sense for your portfolio. That's ZetaReality.com with an X. And see if it's, again, that you see what I see, which is a strong, very strong uh, process and roadmap with their project. More than any other that I've seen, it reminds me very close of other projects at the, in, at the initial, the onset, like a Cardano. Um, but they're doing more with it. And it also could be, I'll, I'll do this in all fairness, it could be a scam. We don't know. I don't even know as of yet. I'm just saying as far as what I see, it looks somewhat legit. Now, for the Zeta team, if you're listening to this message, and I'll make sure to at you so you hear this, and I'll even share it to your Reddit so you see this. Here's the things that I think you need to fix. If you truly are legit, you mean what you say, and you're not a scam, here's what you need to fix. Number one, you don't have your light paper or white paper linked directly on your site. I don't know if that's by design, like you don't have it ready yet. If you don't, you should. But right now all you have is a high level, you know, development areas and that, and it could be that you are treating the website as the white paper. If that's the case, I think that's a mistake. You should have a separate document that somebody can take away and process and think about and then come back to you and decide to purchase. So I would get the white paper and light paper written and ready to go. If you need an example of ones, in my opinion, Dogezilla has one of the best written ones I've ever seen in my opinion. Regardless, do your own thing for your own reasons and with your own information. I have a podcast episode in the past about rubrics white paper that I think is good information about how to do it. But you need to get that on the website. I think that's critical and it's not there. You have everything else there. You've got your GitHub there. That's good. You've got your different um, social media platforms. That's good. You've got the purchases. That's good. I don't see any problems with the site. But you do need to have that white paper on there. Get that on there. Other than that, Keep doing what you're doing because if you are serious about this as a process and you want to make this a successful project and it seems like you do, you know, others like myself will gladly support it and buy in and, and see you grow and we'll grow with you. But we want to see more to make sure and reassure that it's not a scam where it's just an airdrop and then one day you'll just pull the rug. Now, of course, there was no cost in what you was you sent, but if it's one of those scam airdrops, then you could clean out the wallet. Nobody wants that either. So let's work together and see how we can make this, you know, mutually advantageous, right, for investors and for you. Because if you are serious, we certainly don't want to ignore what you're trying to do. But I just think there's some points that you can refine to add some credibility to what appears, at least on the surface, to be a very solid token. 
So that's what I got for you today. I'm going to deal with some nonsense around this stupid form, and then I got a training, and then I got some emails and other nonsense to deal with. I was very happy not to have too much transactions going on on the crypto side. However, I am seeing my portfolio is rather healthy, even though we're in a down market, and that's just expected. I think things are looking good for 2022. As long as the president gets out of the way, we'll be in good shape, and we'll see how the whole laws uh, come to pass when they start enforcing those from the Biden bill. Other than that, I, I think we're looking good. I know people are seeing red candles and they're freaking out right now, but honestly, when you see this kind of bear activity, it's this close to tax season, it should not surprise you because you got to understand people are getting ready to pay their taxes and you could have people that are not trying to increase their tax bill because if you were to cash out right now and get some gains, that's capital gains. They're going to come after you in 2022 for that because you're still due. So some people know how to time it to wait till Q1 2022. That way that tax bill is not really due to 2023. That's why I'm so bullish about Satama in Q1 2022 because I suspect that there are a lot of still big players in that token along with many others. And what they're doing is they're sitting on their bags until we get past the new year. And then in the new year, in the beginning, I think you're going to start seeing some green candles show up. This is my read based on the graphs I see and the way I know the tax thing works. Could I get it wrong? Absolutely. So don't hold me to it. I'm saying watch it, but don't freak too much about it. I don't think it's going to last too much longer. I'm also very excited to see where Ethereum's price is going to go because it looks like it's at breakout status. So I think we're in good sh a good shot for a very rich 2022, how the whole, you know, variant for COVID is going to play into that. We don't know, but unless the president just lied again, he doesn't anticipate additional lockdowns, which to me means there's going to be additional lockdowns. If there are, that means they're going to have to do additional stimulus. If there's additional stimulus, that means there's more money flowing into crypto, I can guarantee you. So you see where my optimism is kind of coming from based on the pattern of prediction from the past. I think we're in a good spot. So don't let the red candles bother you. Don't let it burn you. Don't let it put you down. I think we're in a good spot for the future. I'm excited to hopefully speak to one of the new project team members here coming up in the next couple of days. As soon as he reaches out to me, once that to that token launches, they're finally at the audit now. Um, Cause that'll be, he'll be the first guest I have on the show, but he's very similar to me in the way that he's talking about multiple projects. So he's doing this token for himself and what he believes, but he's also been talking about various projects. He's actually known in the crypto industry for his coverage of different to tokens. He's bought in, I believe, to Satama. I know he's in SHIB at least a little bit, and he got burned by a project that that we both have in, in common. So I'm excited to talk to him whenever he's ready to go, and I think you're going to get some exciting conversation out of that one, and hopefully I can make that a recurrent, make him a recurrent guest because I've seen his videos He's an exciting guy to listen to, and it seems like he's got the right ideas and wants to do good for the community, which is what we all want. Take care.